Welcome to Southridge. If this is your first time here, you are our honored guest. We're thrilled and excited to have each and every one of you here. We're looking forward to a great day together in the theater. And I hope you found your way up here all right. Hopefully you grabbed a cup of coffee or a donut on your way in. And uh, looking forward to see what God has for us this morning. Did you have a good week? Yeah, a few of you did. Okay, all right. It's been busy. It's been wet. I know, I know. But you're here this morning. This is a great place to be. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter number one. If you don't, I'll have a big Bible up on the screen. Or if you're a guest with us, inside your worship guide, there is a uh, page there, and it's got our scripture passage. But the passage I put in there is actually the wrong one, so it probably won't help you this morning. But you can have that anyway, you know, just help you if later on you want to read that passage. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter number one. We're continuing our series entitled A Thrill of Hope. It's a funny thing. Uh, this week, every time I text somebody in the church, they text me right back. It was just kind of funny. I mean, they were just on it this week. I didn't see any text bubbles. It was just like... Bam, they were just right there. If you missed that, you have to listen to last week's message to kind of get that reference. But we are in part two of our series, A Thrill of Hope. Welcome. We are glad and thrilled that you would be here. We're going to be in Matthew chapter number one, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 18. And really what we're doing is we're kind of getting the backstory to the Christmas story. It's a story we know well. We know a lot of the characters. We know Mary. We know Joseph. Um, we know uh, the wise men. We know Herod. And, and so we know a lot of these characters. But sometimes we don't dig a little bit deeper to the emotion of what they may have been feeling and how they handled everything that they went through. Sometimes we just think of the uh, nativity scene. And we think there's the wise men. There's the shepherds. Uh, there's Mary and Joseph uh, rocking some hipsters trends there. And I mean, we just kind of look at that picture and just think that, man, they were just like uber nature people because that's why they wanted to have Jesus in a barn. And, and it wasn't that way at all. And so many times we can get so mixed up and confused about how the birth of Christ actually took place. And so through this series, we're looking back at it at a deeper look. Well, in Matthew chapter number 18, or one, let me read beginning verse number 18. The Bible says, now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now let's stop just for a moment. You're engaged to somebody and you are making the wedding preparations. You as the guy, you're doing your part, which basically you don't really do anything with the wedding preparations. You just kind of say yes to whatever she wants because if you actually have an opinion, that's a bad thing when she's planning her wedding. She doesn't really want your opinion. She really wants is your affirmation. That's what I've learned anyway. Maybe different with you guys, but really play it safe. If she's asking you anything, she just wants affirmation every time. Like when she asks you where you want to go to eat, She's not asking you where you want to go to eat. She's really wanting you to just affirm wherever she wants to go to eat. So save yourself the trouble. Just don't even get hungry ever, guys. Just carry power bars with you all the time. Your life will be so much better. So here's Joseph, and he's engaged to this wonderful girl, the girl of, her, of his dreams. And then one day she sits Joseph down and says, we've got to have a talk. All of a sudden, Joseph's like, uh-oh, the talk. And then you could see her trying to figure out, how do I tell Joseph that I'm expecting? Now imagine for Joseph, for him to hear this, that she's pregnant and he knows he was not part of that. Imagine what he's thinking. 
Many times, if you've grown up in the church, if you've been a Christian all your life, it's just easy to accept the fact, oh, yeah, 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 uh, Mary's going to have a baby, but it's God's baby. It's okay. But then, back then, put yourself in Joseph's situation. He's thinking either she is a liar on a whole nother level of lying, or she really is telling the truth. Either way, Joseph's having a hard time, which we're going to see in the following verse, verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, many of you are thinking, wait a minute, they're engaged. How are they husband? That day, culturally, once you were engaged, it was as if you were married, okay? That's how serious it was, all right? So verse number 19 says, Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, what that means is he could publicly divorce her or he could have her stoned to death for adultery. He didn't want to do that. But it just shows you what's going through his mind, all right? So at the end of this verse, he says he he was minded to put away privately, to settle the matter privately. This means he still loved her, is really what that means. That he didn't want to shame her, didn't want to embarrass her, even though he knows he's going to live with some ultimate shame here. Verse number 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto you Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, he's like, she was telling the truth. Oh, wow, okay, I'm glad. I mean, Yes, nobody else will believe me, but at least now I know. Verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, who shall call his name, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name Jesus. Christmas is probably the most anticipated time of the entire year. I don't know if you have children or if your children are of the age that mine are. Every time they get a Toys R Us or a Walmart magazine, they take it out. They pull out a pencil or a crayon and they begin to circle the things that they want this Christmas. As soon as the tree was up, you could just see the look in a child's eye. Last Saturday, our church gave away 500 Christmas trees, and you could see some of the children that were there. They were so ecstatic about that tree. They were filled with anticipation. You could see as you go through the mall and all the people lined up to get a picture with Santa Claus and to see how happy and excited they are. You can go through the stores or you can go through places and you see that this time of year is just a time of anticipation. But if you noticed the older that you and I get, the less we anticipate this season. It kind of seems like anticipation is something we almost grow out of. It seems like, yes, we we do enjoy it. We like to put up the decorations. We love to have the tree. We do like to watch the traditional Christmas movies like Elf and uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And you like to sit there with the family. But there's something about it. You get the gift. You eat the meal. And then you're like, is that it? It's over? I mean, all those months, all that money and that's it? You almost are left with a feeling of emptiness. 
Because why? The anticipation as you get older just isn't there. But when your child has wanted something all year long, and then they finally get it for the next couple days, the next couple weeks, maybe even if you're lucky, the next couple months, they are just enthralled with that gift. They love that gift. They rip, rip it open, and they're so excited to play with that gift, they can hardly mumble out a thank you. They're just so excited. And the fact that they didn't even mumble out a thank you doesn't bother you at all. Why? Because you see the joy in your child's eye. Or you see the joy in your grandchildren's eyes. Or you see the joy in your spouse's eyes. You see the joy in your boyfriend or girlfriend's eyes as you give them that gift that you couldn't wait to give them. They couldn't wait to receive. They had so much anticipation. But often during the Christmas season, there's a disparity between what we expect and what we experience. There's this anticipation, but then for many of us, it doesn't quite live up. Don't you hate it when things don't live up to the hype? Anybody here ever been to Henry's World Famous High Life, downtown San Jose? A few of you. Jane and I had never been. And we were just, everybody told us, oh, it's great. Their barbecue's the best. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. And so uh, my sister Lydia was in town. So we decided, hey, we, we can leave the kids with her and we're going to go out. And Jane wanted barbecue because like I said, I don't have an opinion. We can eat wherever you want to eat. I'm not hungry. I don't need to eat. It's fine. And so she decided she wanted to go to Henry's High Life. She had never been. And we were like, all right, let's go. We waited in line and we were looking at the menu and they have meat, meat meat and potatoes. That's kind of all you get there. And then we sat down and we waited and we were looking around and we're thinking, this really isn't a restaurant. This is an old house. That's all this is. And it's downtown and somebody's old house that they built up. And uh, if I'm offending you by telling this story, that's fine. I mean, I don't really care. This place to us, we were just like, let me finish. And as we, we were eating, we were just thinking, this is not very good at all. Like, this is awful. And there was a couple, we was busy, so we had a shared table with an older couple. And the older couple, he's just eating, not talking to his wife. And his wife just kind of would eat, and she would fall asleep in between bites. I've never seen somebody fall asleep in between bites. Jane and I are just like, that was the most entertaining thing about our entire evening because the food was awful. But we were sitting there just watching the older couple. And then I was like, oh, she's going to go. Watch. Her face would be right into that steak. And she would kind of catch herself. And her husband just, they didn't even talk. It was so funny. I was like, honey, that's going to be us in like five years. Years. This is going to be great. And so we were eating, and then we had leftovers the next day. My wife gave me the leftovers, and I usually enjoy leftovers. It tasted worse the next day than the day before. I was like, I don't know how ribs can get any worse than when you first got them, but these got worse. So we were totally let down by the experience. And I think sometimes we go through Christmas season, and we're totally let down by the experience. We're all excited. We put the tree up. We think we're going to get a special gift or we have something. Why? Because we have this expectation. But then our experience doesn't meet up. And so what happens, it lends to a spirit of frustration. Do you think Joseph was feeling the exact same thing? He had this anticipation. I'm getting married. I'm marrying the greatest girl in the world. This is great. My life's coming together. My business as a carpenter is taking off. I'm in a great community. I'm well respected. It's time to move out of the parents' place, get my own place. Matter of fact, too expensive. Move back in with the parents and save some money. But I mean, they were planning everything they were going to do and their life was going to get underway. And all of a sudden, his expectation is met with his actual experience. And how do you handle that? You see, this holiday season, I think many of us have a certain expectation of what we want. 
But I think if we're not careful, our expectation is setting up, setting us up for frustration. And so here is Joseph, unbeknownst to him what is about to happen. And now he meets this experience. And so we're going to look at it this morning because I want to help us this morning. Because there is three spirits that we're going to have this Christmas. You say you're borrowing a line from Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. I am the three ghosts of Christmas. I want to talk about the three spirits of Christmas. You either A, are going to have the spirit of frustration this Christmas. That's going to be you. You're going to be frustrated by the meal isn't perfect. You're going to be frustrated by the fact you didn't get the parking spot you wanted. You're going to be frustrated by the fact you didn't get the gift you wanted. The people you wanted to be there aren't going to be there. And you can go through this entire Christmas season just frustrated. That can be you. Matter of fact, I want to look at another character in Luke's gospel at the same time because we see in these passages, there's other characters involved. Actually, excuse me, Matthew chapter number two. It's the pastor where three wise, or three wise men, excuse me, wise men for the east were coming to deliver gifts, three gifts to Jesus. But they stop in the city of Jerusalem. They talk to a man by the name of Herod and they tell Herod, we're looking for him that is born king of the Jews. Instantly, Herod's upset. Herod's a very insecure guy and Herod's worried. Who is this king? You got to understand, Herod's the guy that would execute his own children if he thought they were going to make a run for the throne. He would execute his own wife if he thought she was going to threaten his power. Matter of fact, on the death of Herod, he had leaders in the community that were well-respected executed because he wanted the people sad when he died. This man was just psycho, just crazy. So when you see that he was upset that another supposed king was come, he was nervous. He was worried. He was frustrated, to say the least, about what was happening. And so Herod is here. He's faced with this situation. And all of a sudden, we see that there's this spirit of frustration. And some of you, you may be right there. You see, too often, we let, uh, uh, we, we let these things interrupt us, and we become a frustrated person. Can I say this? Don't let what you expect keep you from experiencing what God would have you to experience. Don't let your expectation get in the way of what God wants you to experience. I think sometimes we have this high expectation. And some of you are like, okay, I'll lower my expectations. That's not what I'm saying to do. Don't lower your expectations. What I'm saying when it comes to the season, let's not have these high expectations which can turn into that frustration. See, many of us, we can be frustrated people. You know why it's so hard for, or why so many people are frustrated? Because it's hard for people to be happy because they see the past as better than it was. They see the present as worse than it is and the future darker than it will be. So they can never be happy. The past is always better than it was. The present is always worse than it is. And the future is always darker than it will be. You ever met that kind of a person? You say, I'm sitting next to that person. Well, don't make eye contact with them. Don't nudge them, all right? Don't give anything away because then they'll know that you are a frustrated person. And so you may be that person that's just frustrated this morning. But you know, the greatest source of my frustration personally is my confusion about God's expectation of me. You see, I put a lot of unreasonable expectations on myself. Here's Joseph. Joseph, he's upset. He's worried. He's thinking, what is happening? Uh, My supposed wife, who I'm supposed to marry, I'm supposed to be faithful to, she hasn't necessarily, on the outside, looking in, hasn't been faithful to me. So he could easily be frustrated. And so he was thinking on this matter, what do I do? Do I put her away? Do I divorce her? Do I separate? What am I supposed to do in this situation? He's a frustrated person. But he didn't understand what God had for him. 
He didn't understand God's expectation was for Joseph. I know this situation isn't exactly what you were hoping to experience. But what I want you to do in this situation is to live this out. I want you to still take Mary to be your wife. I want you to raise Jesus as your own. This is what I have for you. That's my expectation. See, the reason Joseph thought I need to put her away is because he had his own idea of what he thought the expectation would be. But God said, no, no, I want to give you a new set of expectations. So some people, you're sitting here and you're a frustrated person. Sometimes you're frustrated with people. You say, why are you frustrated with people? Because you and I, we expect more out of others because we know we would do the same for them. You ever been like that? You are frustrated with that person because if the roles were reversed, you would do it for them. You would show up to their Christmas party. You would have bought them a gift. You would have given them a ride. You would have helped them out financially. You would have been there to help them in their situation. You would have been there to talk to them. You would have been there to do all kinds of things. Joseph's thinking, hey, I was faithful to you, and this is what I get. We could easily get frustrated by other people. There was a little girl after Christmas. Somebody came up to her and asked her. They said, "Uh, little girl, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? And she awesome response. She said, no, but that's okay. It's not my birthday. What a great attitude. Isn't that the right attitude we're supposed to have? The attitude that it's like, wait a minute, it's not my birthday. It's not about me. So why am I going to go through this holiday season frustrated? Why should I go through this season thinking, man, I should have had more presents under the tree. There's only 37. I want 38. There was a, the, the turkey wasn't done to the right specific temperature. Hey, we didn't have the meal that I wanted. With that person that I wanted to come, they didn't make it. This happened. I got stuck in an airport. I didn't get the new uh, gift that I wanted, the gadget I wanted. And so I am frustrated. And we can easily let that spirit of frustration ruin our Christmas. Or you can have the spirit of expectation. And many times we think, oh, the spirit of expectation. That's a good spirit. We need to have that spirit. Actually, no, we don't. Because as we begin to study expectation, you know expectation is really just dressed up entitlement? Because expectation says I have to have something done my way. That's what expectation. And that's what we tell people, don't we? Hey, I expected you to do this. I expected you to have dinner on the table by 5.30 when I got there. Hey, I expected the report to be in by Friday. You see, expectation has entitlement. It's a specific action. So what happens is around Christmas time, we have all this expectation. But I want to tell you this. If you have not expressed it, you should not expect it. But all the time, we have all these expectations, and we're not expressing it. Have you expressed to your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, exactly what you're expecting? Why are you going through frustrated when there is this unmet expectation when you've never expressed it? So we have all this expectation this season, all this expectation of what we want to happen, how we want it to be. When we haven't even done the simplest thing is take out a calendar and say, hey, let's do this on such and such a day. Let's have this activity. Let's go together here. Let's do this. No, we just have all these expectations. And what happens is that expectation, when unmet, leads to this frustration. And we just go through this holiday season just thinking how frustrated we are, that we can't enjoy it. And the fact is, our expectations should be met in Jesus Christ. I love the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Because in that song, I love what it says. All our hopes and fears are met in thee tonight. Every hope, everything we want, it's met in you. Not in the town, not in that city, but in who was going to be born in that city, in Jesus. 
You see, expectation leads to that spirit of entitlement. You see, Herod was very entitled. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter number two, when the wise man comes to him, he says, hey, he's, Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. And many of us for a long time have probably been told something like this, that the wise men probably didn't show up for maybe two years after Jesus was born. And can I stop just for a second? Because as I began to think about this, my wife and I, we even talked about it. And I said, we've, all, we've heard that, that maybe the wise men didn't get there for two years. But the fact of the matter is, these wise men probably came from Babylon. Babylon is about 800 miles from Jerusalem. They probably were on about a 40-day journey. That's about how, how long it would take, the average time to travel. And these people came to Bethlehem, and I don't think so much that they actually did come two years later. You say, why? Because for this matter and for this reason, Joseph and Mary were from Nazareth, weren't they? They were there in Bethlehem to pay taxes. And if they were there to pay taxes... And if it was going to be two years later where these wise men were going to meet them in Bethlehem. So you're telling me for two years they stayed in Bethlehem? I don't think so. You say, well, Joseph was from there. Yes, and if he had family, if he had relatives there, he would have stayed with them. Not in a barn. So I think it's very plausible that, matter of fact, the wise men actually were there very close to the time that Jesus was born. I wouldn't necessarily put it at the exact time. And we could argue and debate that. But as I was thinking about it, I was thinking they probably came very close to that time and very close to when Jesus was actually born. And so here the wise men, they came in. But Herod had told the wise men, hey, after you go find Jesus, come back and bring me word. And they didn't come back. The Bible says they were warned of God to go another way. I love the fact that after we meet Jesus Christ, our lives can change and we can go a different direction. That we can head down a different path, a new path. And so here Herod, here's this entitled person, and he's frustrated by the fact that, hey, they didn't come back. The Bible says that he's angry, he's upset, he is mad that they didn't come back. And I think oftentimes, we may not be Herod, but I think we have a hint of Herod in our heart. You say, what do you mean? That sense of entitlement. That sense of, hey, this is how Christmas should be. This is how I want it to be. And it needs to live up to my expectations. It needs to live up to how I want them to be. So this Christmas, we need to guard against not only that spirit of frustration, not only the spirit of of expectation, but you say, what kind of spirit should I have? How about the spirit of anticipation? You say, what do you mean anticipation? You see, expectation says a certain thing must happen. Frustration says nothing's happening. But you know what anticipation says? That anything could happen. Because anticipation is filled with hope. And this Christmas, that's what it's all about, that hope, that anything is possible. In 1914, along the Western Front, something magical happened. Miraculous happened. As only can happen around the Christmas season. Because it's funny, even people that do not believe in miracles and don't believe in the magic or the spirit of Christmas... Somehow, around Christmas time, that hard exterior just begins to melt. And in 1914, in the middle of the World War I, along the Western Front, not ordered by any superiors, 100,000 British and German soldiers had a ceasefire. They just stopped. And there they looked out over Christmas. It lasted from about a week. They just looked out. The guns stopped shooting. Artillery wasn't firing. And they just looked out. It was Christmas. And they came out of where they were hiding. And they came out. 
And they began to sing Christmas carols. They began to exchange gifts. They began to hold worship services right there in no man's land. And it seemed for a few days that maybe this cruel war had ended. That maybe there would be peace. Because around Christmas time, anything really is possible. And what happens is we lose that as we get older. What happens is we give in to a spirit of expectation. And we lose the anticipation that anything could happen. You say, how do we know anything could happen? Because Jesus came, born of a virgin, in the most unlikely of situations, in one of the most unlikely of places. Here was Jesus, the Son of God, the darling of heaven. God stepped out of heaven holding a baby and sent that baby to earth. And that baby crawled out of a manger and walked in our shoes for 33 years and died on a cruel cross for our sins so that you and I might have life, not just in this life, but in the everlasting. And that's what he did. And it was birthed out of this anticipation. And I'm afraid we've come to this Christmas season and our anticipation is gone our anticipation that anything could happen our anticipation that great things could happen instead we live in expectation on this day we go to church on this day we sing christmas carols on this day we go and we're going to go to grandma's on this day we're going to go and eat this on this day and it's just here's our expectation instead of the anticipation but what's amazing to me is if here these wise men they traveled so far How is it that it's an 800-mile journey back then? How is it that they could keep this expectation? Because the Bible says when they saw the light, because they were following the light, when they saw the light, they rejoiced. They got excited. You know, and I began to think about this. You and I see things before we achieve things. You say, what do you mean? Some of you right now, you're frustrated with where you're at, maybe in your job. You're frustrated where you're at in a relationship, or you're frustrated with a situation. And the reason you're frustrated is because you could see something better, but you haven't achieved it yet. You could see where your relationship should be, where it could be, but you're not there yet, so you're frustrated. You see where your job could be and where it should be, but it's not, so you're frustrated. You see where you're trying to make strides to get healthier and stronger and get fit, but you're not there, so you're frustrated. You see where you should be academically, where you should be in your relationship, but you're not there. You could see it, but you can't achieve it. And so you're frustrated. But what can happen is in that gap, in that, in that waiting period, many people at that point just say, okay, I'm out. I'm done. So how do we keep going? And I want to say this. Anticipation doesn't die in waiting moments. Matter of fact, waiting moments builds anticipation. We did something a little bit different this morning as you came in. We held everybody out in the lobby as musicians could practice. Why? Because I want people to understand that we build towards the anticipation that God's going to speak with us. Something's going to happen. What happens around the Christmas season is the anticipation is no longer building. Set up the tree. Watch the movies. Eat some cookies. Go see Santa. Go see Grandma. All right, out of school. Now you're going back to school. It's over. It's done. Where's the anticipation? What are we building up to? You see, we're building up to the fact that Jesus left heaven for us. He came to die on a cross to change our lives. And so there's this anticipation that there is something God wants to do. There's this anticipation that I may not be there yet, but there's something God is doing in this moment. But anticipation does die in wasted moments. In the time where we just decide, I'm not going to do anything this holiday season. Oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to once again engage. I'm not going to be present I'm just going to kind of let this season pass me by. But what needs to happen is we engage with this season. 
but anticipation lives in the worship moments. I want us to go to Luke chapter number two, if you have your Bible, because I was reading the Christmas story and I was blown away by the fact that there was these characters. See, after Jesus is born, his mother and his father, they take him to the temple. And at the temple, he meets two people. And these people are extraordinary. One, her name is Anna. And this lady, Anna, she's been at the temple for 84 years. And the Bible says she's been waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning the comfort of Israel, meaning the Christ that is soon to come. She's been waiting there for him. And as she was waiting year after year, not knowing when she would see him. There was another character, a prophet who was there, and he had been waiting. He was old and well-stricken years. And when he sees the baby, you know what he says? He says, God, I can, I can die now because mine eyes have seen salvation. All of those years of anticipation, all that waiting, and it was met, it was, it was, it was fulfilled in a moment. You see, you're waiting for something. You may have this expectation. You may have this desire. You may have this longing, something that you're saying, nothing else can satisfy it. But I want us to see that all our hopes and dreams and fears are met in Jesus. Our anticipation is met in him. That as you come to Jesus this Christmas season, you won't be disappointed. As you give him your heart, as you give him your life, as you give him your all, he meets that need. He meets the longing of your heart. And with him, anything is possible. And some of you may be sitting here this morning thinking, you know, how can, how can God love me after all I've done or all I've been through? And God says, guess what? There is nothing you can do to change my love. There is nothing you can do. Do you honestly think you are that big that your, lo- and that your sin can honestly affect God's love? No. There's nothing you can do. Now, we don't use that as an excuse to just say, oh, I'll just live however. No, no, no. That should blow us away by that love and that grace that he has for us. That he loved us so much that he would leave heaven to come to this earth. To change our hearts and change our lives. To give us something we've never had. And during this Christmas season, we can see that, you know what? Anything really is possible. You say, why? Because Jesus is here. He's here now. But it's interesting, where, where we first read, we saw that Jesus comes to, or the angel comes to Joseph in the night and says, hey, you're going to have a son, and it's been prophesied that, thou shalt, uh, that, uh, that Jesus is going to be born of a virgin, and shall call his name Emmanuel. But it's funny, they say his name's going to be Emmanuel, but what did they name him? They name him Jesus. I, I was thinking, why would they do that? Where it's been prophesied in Isaiah chapter number 7, verse number 14, and uh, that, that, that a sign shall be given. Behold, a sign is a virgin shall conceive. Why, why, would they, why would they not call him Emmanuel? Why do we not call him Emmanuel? Why is it Jesus? And then I began to study and think about it. Because his nature is Emmanuel. That's his nature. It's God with us. But his name is Jesus. But the nature is that God is with us. That right now, during this holiday season, Some of you, your expectation was to have certain friends and family with you, and they're not here. Some of you, you've lost loved ones this Christmas season, or things have happened, and things have changed. And so this holiday season, while for everybody else, it's full of joy and laughter, you're saying, I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling lonely this season. It's the first season, Christmas season, I'm going to go, and I'm not going to have this loved one, or I'm not going to go there, and things have changed. But the wonderful beauty of this promise is the fact that when Jesus came, he's saying, hey, my nature is Emmanuel. My nature is that I am with you. 
that the ultimate present you will receive is my presence this Christmas. That I am there in that moment. That I am here with you. So don't go through this Christmas season uh, uh, frustrated. Don't go through with these expectations that are unmet. Go with the spirit of anticipation that God is going to do something and that anything is possible. It's what fueled the wise men. It's what helped them continue on their journey. So this Christmas season, you get to choose the spirit that which you're going to have. You get to choose the spirit. Are you going to have a spirit of frustration this Christmas? It really is up to you. Are you going to cause frustration for everybody around you? Or are you going to have that spirit of, hey, I've got this expectation, and you're that person that's got the list, got the plan. And I understand we need to plan, and I understand we need to have things laid out, otherwise things are chaos. But at the same time, we have this perfect idea that may not match our reality, or we can live with this anticipation, that childlike anticipation that, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be great. Something special is going to happen. And we create moments of great beauty, create moments where God can step in. You see, the wise men, they were just following that star, just following that light until they they found Jesus Christ, and then their lives were forever changed. The shepherds, their, their lives were forever changed when they found Jesus. They didn't know that night as they were leading their sheep. They thought it was just an ordinary night. There was no such thing as Christmas back then. No such thing as Black Friday. No such thing as last minute shopping. Some of you are like, oh, that would be so nice. Maybe just go back. And so those shepherds, there they were on a hillside overlooking Jerusalem. Because Bethlehem is just five miles outside of Jerusalem. And there they were. You know what sheep they were watching? Those weren't just any sheep. Those were the temple sheep. Those were the same sheep that when they would offer a sacrifice in the temple, they would get those sheep. And those are the sheep that they would bring in. But it's amazing, at that moment, the angels announced, the sky filled with angels, and they announced that, hey, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Those shepherds who left the sheep that were there for the temple sacrifice went to Jesus, who John the Baptist called the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. They left one group of sheep to go find the ultimate sheep. They left one, they left their plans for something better. Some of you are thinking, if I give up my idea, if I give up my plan, God is going to give me something lesser. That's not going to happen this Christmas. Because when you choose Jesus over everything, you're not getting second place. You're not getting second rate. You're, you make the decision that, hey, this Christmas family, we're just going to put Jesus first. He really is the reason of the season. He's the gift of this season. We're just going to look to him. We're going to think about him. We're going to usher in his presence. And we're going to be there in that moment with Jesus. We are going to meditate on his promises. We're going to read more of the scripture. Engage more of our mind about it. Understand this. You are not second. You're not getting a cheapened Christmas experience. I'm sorry. I don't care how much Michael Blue you listen to. And how many Christmas cookies you eat. That is not the Christmas experience. The Christmas experience has been hijacked by our Western culture. It's been hijacked by the malls. It's been hijacked by the, the, the we got to go to this activity and this tradition. It's been hijacked. The Christmas is ultimately about a baby, Jesus. And what we've done is we've let everything else crowd that message out. We've let every pageant and we've let every Christmas cantata and we've let every work party and all these holiday parties. We've let all the shopping and all the groceries and all the things that we have to do and all the last minute shows and all the last minute things. And we're so frustrated and worn out. We're just thinking, what happened? Where's Jesus in all this? Many of you need to go to your nativity scenes at home and just grab Jesus and just take him out because he really doesn't exist. So why are you living out a lie and 
believing that he exists in that manger. Because if he doesn't exist in your heart, it's pointless to have him in that manger. Let me say it again. If Jesus does not live in your heart, it's pointless to have him in the manger. Because that's why he came. He came for you and I. But this season, what's happened is we've just allowed everything else to crowd out Jesus. We can't make 30 minutes during the morning just to spend time with him. Hey, understand this, church. I want to preach the best message every Sunday. But reality is, it does not matter what kind of message I preach on Sunday. If you, through Monday through Saturday, do not read any of your Bible or get close to him. It does not matter what I preach. You will not grow. You will not grow. You will not become the Christian that you need to be. Your marriage will not get stronger. Your your work ethic will not get better. You will not get closer to your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Things will not change in your life if all you do is come to church on Sunday. Our church will not grow. Our church will not grow if all you do with Jesus is show up to church on Sunday. Because you've missed it. 52 weeks in a year, 52 hours. That's, that's saying, hey, if you could do that, then what we would do is spend just two days in the beginning of every year, go to church, and then we just have that out of the way. So 52 hours in your year is not enough to change your life unless you are living in an attitude and living in a mindset that Jesus is here, he's with me, he's changing this moment. That when you are at work and you are frustrated because you've just been given work that you weren't expecting and now you can say, wait a minute, Jesus is here, he can help me and I'm going to live in that reality that he's here. Or you're frustrated with the situation that's happening at work, you don't have all the money that you need and you're saying, wait a minute, hold on. Yeah, I want to buy all these gifts. I want to do all these things. But you know what? That's okay if we don't have all that. Because I've got Jesus here. He's with me. And I'm not going to let some idea, some expectation hijack what is the true meaning of this season. So the spirit of Christmas is totally up to you. What you're going to choose and what you want to decide is going to happen. And I'm afraid too often this holiday season, I just see it in your hearts and lives. I see it on your posts. I see it on Facebook. And my heart goes out to you how busy you are. And I'm just thinking, have we missed it? Should we just take our Bibles? Just set them aside? Have we just left Jesus? Have we forgotten about him? Should we just stop the charade? Should we just pack it all up? Or is Jesus truly everything to us? Or all our anticipation, our hope, does it really rest in him? Because I'm afraid you probably struggle like I struggle, that my hope and fears and dreams is met in my job. I got to get that raise. I got to make that money. It doesn't rest in God. It doesn't rest in his word and what he wants to do to me. No, 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 no. Or, or your hope and expectation rests in that person. There's that person, and if they would just marry me, or if they would just commit to me, or if they would just change, or if they would just do this, then I would be complete and everything would be all right. Or are you resting in some gift that you have to have? If I just get the new iPhone, if I just have that, then my wish will be complete. Then I'll be happy if I just have that. Oh, if I just have a little bit more money, and instead we just miss out that it's Jesus. And what I need you to do, church, is I need you tomorrow to not wake up and think about today's message. I need you to open up your word. I need you to spend some quiet moments with God and say, God, what is the message you have for me? Because, church, we will not be where God wants us to be if all we do is on a Sunday morning. Just think, okay, my anticipation is met on Sunday. You know what you've done? You've turned church into a form of idolatry. Because you come to church to experience something, to feel something. 
that God says, I want you to experience all the time. That's why he sent his son. Matter of fact, he put such an emphasis on the coming of his son that he said, this is going to change the world. Not just save it, it's going to change our life. The Bible says that he is not only the bread of life, that he is not only your life, he is everything. But what happens is we just miss it. So this Christmas season, how are things going to be different? Right now, how are things going to be different in your own heart? I can't go to your family and say, oh, you should change this, you should do this. But what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you to do? Because what's happened is Jesus is getting put on the back burner all around this Christmas season. But then we put a manger and we kind of think, well, there he is. He's right there. That's not enough. How would we like it if 52 hours out of a year, that's all anybody recognized us? That you did not exist except for 52 hours, not days, 52 hours in a year. That people would just pass you by, not acknowledge you. You would go to your job, nobody would say hi, nobody would acknowledge you, nobody would talk to you. Some of you are like, yes, finally, this is great. I want that. Nobody would ever call your name. Nobody would text you. Nobody would reach out to you. Nobody would give you those 350 annoying Facebook happy birthday messages with little emoticons. I mean, none of that would happen except for 52 hours in a year. We would think, man, what's going on? Am I a terrible person? What's happened? But if you're like me, you're probably guilty of doing that to Jesus, where our anticipation is not in him. Because anything is possible with Jesus. Anything is possible. But instead, we don't live like that. We live with this expectation of what Jesus should do. Jesus should give me a better job. Jesus should change this person. Jesus should do this. Instead of saying, Jesus can do any, anything, I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder what he's going to do. Coming with that spirit of expectation. I wonder what God's going to do in 2016. I wonder how God's going to change some things. A spirit of anticipation doesn't have entitlement. It has hope. For the future. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Can we stand please?